Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to episode 17 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Matt Corey of BP Boston and Vice Sports. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Jake? I am well. Um, excited to be back on the show. Another week in the books, uh, talking about the Sox and um, all that they entail, because there's just frequently a lot to talk about with this particular version of the team. Um, it's, uh, it's it's lucky that we're not you know fans of like uh, I don't know the Brewers or the Reds. You know, it <laughs> just would be kind of a boring podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's weird that you said the Brewers because that's what I was thinking in my head before those words came out of you. So I guess Brewers is just what we gravitate towards when we think about a boring team, but. Really? It's kind of sad. It's kind of mean, I guess. Like, not it's sort of accidental on my part, but yeah, you know, it's that's... probably a great little organization to be a part of too. It sounds like they have a fun ballpark and John Lucroy and that steroid freak Ryan Braun. So there's a whole lot going <laughs> for them over there. That's true, actually. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I can't knock the city because I haven't spent any time there. But I had uh, a really good sandwich there like 15 years ago, and that's about all I got. Sandwiches are great, so yeah, they can be. That is good news. Another bit of good news that we'll lead off the show with is that uh, Drew Pomerantz looked very much uh, more like himself uh, today in his second start with the Red Sox. Um, he returned to the mound and 
Uh, went six innings pitch, 99 pitches, seven strikeouts, two walks, four hits, and uh, one big two-run shot in the sixth inning that uh, unfortunately relinquished the lead. But, I mean, if the guy's going to go out and pitch like this against a quality lineup like the Detroit Tigers, um, I think the Red Sox and uh, their fans have to be pretty happy with uh, what he did and what he may do in the future. For sure. Yeah, he's, you know, uh, he finally got on some some regular rest, you know, probably got the butterflies out a little bit, um, you know, having uh, pitched already and, in, in, you know, for the Red Sox once before. And, um, yeah, it looked, looked almost exactly like the guy that, you, you know, the Red Sox thought they were getting, you know, six innings, two runs. That's, uh, you know, with with this offense, you're going to win, what, 60% of the games, 70% of the games, I mean, when you when you do that. Um, uh, yeah, I would say probably far more than sixty percent, right? With this, the way that this offense has been clicking this year, if if you're giving them that performance, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's still three innings left for the bullpen, and that's you know not a shutdown bullpen at this point. And uh, yeah. then there's also the fact that uh, as I sit right here, sit here now um, with the game on, I, I know the game is over for anyone who's listening to this, but. Uh, they're down four to one. So there's that too. I wanted to, I wanted to build that into the number that I, that I came up with, but um, wh- whatever it is uh, it's, you know, it, it's definitely in the Red Sox favor though. They're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're certainly the favorite when, when your starting pitcher goes out and pitches like that, you're, you're the favorite to win. And that's, that's what's mad. What, that's what matters uh, this year, next year. Um, you know, Pomerantz gives the Red Sox a good, good chance to win when he's, uh, you know, when he's out there on the mound. So it was good to see that. Um, and yeah, so that's, uh, hopefully one less reason to, uh, you know, trade the entire, uh, Portland and Salem, uh, teams to, uh, Chicago. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's for sure. But I imagine we'll talk about that some other time or, or later or whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely touch on that later in the show, but you know, after, um, Pomerantz left the game today, uh, Cy Young hopeful Joe Kelly got a chance to, <laughs> to, to, to get on the mound and uh, did throw a ball 101 miles an hour. Unfortunately, he also let up a, a triple to Justin Upton, who's all of a sudden been swinging a pretty hot bat over the last month or so. So um, you're you're right about that bullpen being a little bit tumultuous. But the bottom line here is that Drew Pomerantz looked like Drew Pomerantz today, uh, and that's a very, very, very good thing for the Red Sox going forward. So. Uh, we can both gr- agree on that. Um, some interesting notes about the division itself, though. Uh, the Yankees made a really interesting trade that was finalized today, uh, sending Araldis Chapman uh, to the Cubs uh, for really what I think of as a king's ransom of prospects for a half season of a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Gleber Torres, Billy McKinney, Adam Warren, Richard Crawford coming back. And I just wanted to note that this is the same guy that the Yankees gave up You know some decent to borderline prospects for in the offseason. They gave up rookie Davis, Caleb Cotham, Eric Jagiello, and Tony Renda for this guy. Uh, if you haven't heard of any of those guys, it's because they really haven't done anything. Um, so not a bad little uh, start to selling at the deadline for the Yankees, but more importantly for the Red Sox, who have a lot of games left in the division, uh, they're not going to have to go against Araldis Chapman anymore, which is awesome for the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't think it really makes a big difference. 
to be honest with you. Um, I, I think it, if you're going to look at this trade from a Red Sox standpoint, it's probably ba- a bad one. Um, you know, the Yankees probably long term are, are a stronger organization, stronger team. Um, you know, from having made this deal. Um, so, you know, but who's to say what the uh, you know what the outcome of these young players is going to be? So. Um, you know, you're always buying lottery tickets when you're trading, you know, guys in single A, guys in double A. And, um, you know, you can just look at it as, <clears throat> as percentage chances that, that the guy turns into something. And, you know, the chances are probably pretty, pretty low that any of these guys are, are huge stars, even though I understand Torres is very Torres, right? Gle- yeah, Gleamer Gleamer Torres, Torres, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very uh, highly thought of uh, shortstop. Um, so, uh, but you know, I, I think as far certainly as far as the 2016 Red Sox goes, um, it's it's probably nothing. Um, I, I guess I guess the only uh, the the only other aspect to that is that you know he, they traded uh, Chapman to a National League team, right? Um, you know, a team that the Red Sox are very unlikely to run into, and not to an American League team. They didn't trade him to the Orioles. They didn't trade him to the Indians. Um, you know, so. From that standpoint, I guess I guess it's uh, it's good for the 2016 Red Sox. Yeah, it looks like Theo's at it again, really going for it this time. And why shouldn't he with the, the team that he has this year and all that that entails with that city and what they're going through with that drought being as long as it is. But, man, they really did pay for a half season of Veraldis Chapman there. So that kind of sets the market. It makes me wonder... You know, if the Yankees, and we won't get too far into this because they're the Yankees and this is the Red Sox podcast, but I, I wonder after getting that package for Chapman, how hard they're looking at backing off the stance of selling Andrew Miller because, man, this market is uh, is pretty darn good for sellers right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you know, just uh, over the last, whatever, 48 hours, it's sort of become clear the White Sox may start trading some pretty big names too. And, um, you know, you can, uh, you can certainly see a lot of teams that are, you know, hovering around 500 or maybe a little bit below or in the Yankees case, even a little bit above, um, you know, decide that maybe the, the return on some of their players is just going to be too much to, uh, you know, to, to turn down. So, um, I, I think these things tend to even out, you know, uh, we hear a lot about how the market is not going to be, uh, you know, a very strong one. And, you know, I, I don't doubt that that's the case per se, but a lot of times when there's a, you know, a, a whole bunch of teams that need one thing, someone's going to step up and start selling because they're going to get a lot for them. So, uh, yeah, that's you mean, kind of the way it's working out, I think. Yeah. You, you mentioned, um, the White Sox possibly being sellers now and the, the, the Chris sale saga, I'll call it, uh, which was <laughs> really, really weird with him, uh, getting scratched from the game, uh, just two days ago, as you're listening to this podcast, uh, and then everybody panicking and thinking that he was about to get traded, and then to realize that no, he was just uh, in the back room cutting up jerseys that he didn't want to wear, which is one of the most insane baseball stories I've heard in a while. Uh, Even weirder than him getting traded. Like, you know, coming into the year, you would not think that the White Sox would have been dealing Chris Sale, you know, really under almost any condition. And, and then there's, there's just, I don't know. It's just very, very strange that, that, uh, you know, that this happens and then that there's, uh, you know, they suspended him for, for five games. Um, 
you know, their their best player by a large margin. Yeah, find them pretty significant amount of money too. Yeah, I, th- I understand he had to pay them back for the um, damage he did to the throwback uniforms too. He really didn't like, like those things one bit. No, he didn't like them at all. <laughs> there, there's there have been so many pictures uh, circulating around twitter of you know his face superimposed on edward scissorhands and yeah, yeah. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff and it's just nuts that that he had that tantrum and did that but i i kind of like it but you know i i think the the larger point is before the whole jersey cutting incident before the suspension uh it did kind of come out that the chicago uh, white Sox had started listening to offers at least on Chris Sale, and the fact is that if he does become available, I'm certain that Dave Dombrowski is going to be checking in on him. And reportedly, uh, there has been, you know, some checking in that's already happened. Uh, yeah, you can count on whenever there's anyone with any name recognition. I think we know at this point Dave Dombrowski is going to be one of the first people to call you. Yeah, exactly. And this is a name that. You know, as as closely as we guard our prospects uh, here in Boston, and that's that's been the theme of these teams before Dave Dombrowski, as Ben Carsley put it on the show. We hug our prospects closely and tuck them in at night. Um, that's kind of going out the window a little bit, but I don't think there'd be much complaining here in Boston if the Red Sox were to ship out a bunch of these top names and get a guy like Chris Sale. So let's talk about that possibility a little bit. And first of all, would you be in favor of them making a trade for Chris Sale? And if they did go ahead and do it, what would be a realistic package, you think, going back there for a guy like that? So the first thing, would I want Chris Sale on the Red Sox? Well, of course. Uh, Of course I would. Um, but I think a Chris Sale trade makes a lot more sense before they trade Pomer for trade for Pomerantz. So um, now you're talking about um, you're talking about you know trading out um, the Red Sox worst starter at this point would be um, Rodriguez um, for Sale. Now there's you know would you rather have Sale start a game or Rodriguez? Well, you'd much rather have Sale. Um, but that said. I, I'm not sure how much uh, the difference between those two guys over the next two months is, is worth. Um, you know, they have they would have sale, I think, for what two more seasons following this. I think uh, that's his I contract. Think that's he, it. Yeah, he has a bunch of uh, team options, um, and uh, you know, they have Rodriguez for I want to say four or five more years after this. Um, so there is a significant difference between those two um i'm not making the argument that rodriguez is the equivalent value of sale but you know for where the red sox are um i think you know they had they had a real hole in their in their rotation and they they kind of already plugged it um so you're you're kind of looking at plugging a hole that doesn't really exist right now and you'll be paying you know, as as you noted, a, a king's ransom to do it. So, I'm not sure it makes sense for the Red Sox at this point, um, unless unless you're dealing Rodriguez in that in that deal or Porcello or or somebody else in the rotation. You know, if you're if you're getting if you're opening a hole um, in the rotation to trade for Sale, then and Sale's going to plug that hole, then maybe it makes more sense. 
Yeah, I mean, um, what you're looking at with Sale is a potential, obviously, talent, Cy Young type caliber guy in the American right. League, best pitcher in the American League. Uh, the control that you spoke about the rest of this season, plus 2017, plus two really favorable team options in 2018 and 2019 for just over 12.5 million for the first year, 13.5 million for the the second year. Obviously, those would be picked up. So the guy does have a lot of control. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it really makes sense. Uh, to pay those premiums unless you are um, sending Eduardo Rodriguez back as part of the package. If if the Red Sox were to do something like send Eduardo Rodriguez, Blake Swihart, and maybe a Yohan Moncada back for Chris Sale, is that something that you'd be okay with as a Red Sox fan and someone who follows their system pretty closely? Oh, uh, what was that, Moncada? I, I I blacked out after you said Moncada. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Moncada, Swihart, Rodriguez, and, and Swihart, and Yohan Moncada. What would a what what would you think of a package like that? Obviously, really really heavy package going back. It makes your head spin to think about it, but I my guess is it would take even a little more than that. I I don't know. I was I I don't know that I would trade Moncada on, on for almost anything at this point. I mean he's. Um, I, I think I would I would give up Benintendi before I would give up Mancada, um, and I would give up Devers just because of the age thing. I would give up Devers, uh, who I think is a, a fantastic talent. Um, I would give him up before I give up Benintendi. So I think if you can if you can do a, a prospect package, you know, around maybe Benintendi or Devers, um, and what and Rodriguez, and then I don't know Kopech and. Somewhere down the, you know, Josh Akame, some something else like that further down the line. But I just don't know that it's going to be worth worth the White Sox time to do that. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's that's what I have to say about it. I I think uh, the White Sox are, you know, well within their rights to ask for Benintendi and Mankata and, you know, and 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 and. Um, for a, for a guy like Sale, and I just don't think for where the Red Sox are right now, it makes that much sense to do that. Um, yeah. You know, again, if they'd done it, you know, two weeks ago or whatever before the Pomerantz deal, uh, then then maybe maybe you do make a a, a big splash like that. Um, but uh, yeah, right now I'm not sure that that's that's the best thing for the for the organization long term, given given what it does for the team right now. Yeah, it's hard to think about doing them doing something like that and taking such a massive chunk out of the Red Sox system within just a year's worth of time. I mean, that would be Manuel Margot and all the prospects that went back in the Kimbrell deal, plus all the prospects that went back in the Espinosa de- or uh, the Pomerantz deal. Espinosa, I guess, is the only prospect, but yeah. very significant one. And then if we were to do something like that on top of it. Um, Dave would really deserve that that reputation of system destroyer. Um, you know, if it worked out and the Red Sox won the World Series, that'd be something else. But yeah, I agree. I don't think it's very likely at this point. I think there's a lot of other teams out there that could offer pretty good packages. You know, a team like Texas comes to mind uh, that yeah. maybe have a greater need right now than the Red Sox do and might be a little bit more motivated to pay those prices. But one of the reasons why we're even talking about Chris Sale and the Red Sox being interested in him is because David Price continues not to be the ace that the Red Sox thought that he was going to be as he came into the year. 
Um, few of the things that we've seen from him um, on the plus side, he's pitched a ton of innings this year. He's up amongst the league leaders in that category. His strikeout minus walk rate is among the best in the game as well. But on the bad side of things, uh, David Price has allowed a major league leading 143 hits, uh, one ahead of the lowly Mike Pelfrey, who the Red Sox will see today as you're listening to this podcast. Um, and he's got a 267 batting average against, which is a career worst for him. And I think the thing that stuck out to me more than any other stat that I read when I was researching how bad Price has been is his hard hit rate of 35.8%, which is... So far, a career worse uh, that I had to reread the stat because I didn't really believe it. Um, that mark is higher than his previous worst of 28.6 uh, by an incredible margin and ranks ninth worst in all the majors. And to give you an idea of kind of the guys that are worse than him in that category, we're looking at Patrick Corbin, Ian Kennedy, Brandon Finnegan, Matt Whistler, Mike Fires, Jake Peavy, um, you know, guys like that that just don't even belong in the same breadth as him. So um, I think that there's a little bit more here than maybe people are giving him credit for, and I'm not sure um, how quickly this uh, turnaround is going to be, you know, coming and whether or not that's even on the horizon for him. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say for sure. Um, I, I think I think a couple things. I, the first thing is I think as baseball fans, uh, I'm not including like people in the major league front offices in this statement, but I think as fans and analysts, a lot of times we are too quick to try to describe reason to things that don't necessarily have reason behind them. Um, you know, Price has started, what, 20 games? Uh, 21 games. Um and that's it feels like a lot because it's you know the baseball season has been going for a while and we're in late july and and on and on and on but that's just not very much is the truth and you know david price uh has started i mean how many games has he started in his career uh 234 so 21 out of 234 is just nothing um and you know the there's other numbers that show us that price is um is pitching really well so that's the thing that's really weird about price of season is that we have these sort of um numbers that that are showing us different things um there's there's you know the walk rate the strikeout rate those are elite um for a starting pitcher um and then like you point out like the hard hit rate you know his babbit um which is what 339 right um which is you know insanely high for for a guy with you know, with that kind of stuff, um, the the home run rate is way up. Um, I at this point, I I think I'm just still not quite ready to do much more than say this is just this is just sort of I don't want to say luck because I don't think it's necessarily luck, but for whatever cosmic reason, you know. <laughs> He's just getting hit a little bit more than he has in the past. Um, you know, the, it's and it's not velocity per se. Like so, uh, in tonight's game, Mon- Monday's game, mm-hmm. uh, Verlander, I think it was Verlander, um, yeah, Verlander and 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 Wilson for the Tigers were, were pitching, and I'm sort of in and out watching the game, and I, I saw uh, Verlander throw 
two pitches um, to uh, Travis Shaw um, in in the his last Verlander's last uh, inning, and he ended up striking out Shaw. He threw a curveball that was 79 miles an hour that barely curved and went floating right into the center of the strike zone. Any major league hitter is going to just jump on that and crush it, and Shaw took it for a strike. Um, and then there was a, a fastball that Remy was was harping on for about three balls after that um, mm-hmm. that was right down and in, just, just where Shaw likes to golf it, you know, um, the, the kind of pitch you don't want to throw to a, a power-hitting lefty, right. uh, left-handed hitter. Um, and um, Shaw was right on it, and he fouled it off. Um, and then the next inning or two innings later, Wilson was doing kind of the same thing through a bunch of pitches to, I can't remember who it was, um, but just not good pitches. And so I think the whole point is that sometimes you throw a bad pitch and you get a good result. And sometimes you throw a good pitch and you get a bad result. And that tends to happen, I think, a lot more than we give it credit for. Um, I'm sorry to get all all meta on you with this, but I just, I just feel like price is kind of a a prime example of of us looking for um looking for reason when there isn't any i agree to some extent with that i i I, see what you're saying at all so already (laughs) i'm way ahead of the game (laughs) (laughs) no i mean there there is some element to that obviously there there are times when things break your way you know there are times when guys are hitting balls on the screws and they're hitting them right at people and vice versa um, so I, I understand that aspect of it, but I've seen enough of these 21 starts so far to tell you that this David Price that we're seeing this year, even in some of his really good starts where he's struck out a whole ton of batters, he just has not been as crisp to me. And I think there is something to be said for taking a step back from the numbers and looking at things from just a what do you see type of evaluation just a a visual evaluation of of what i've seen and what i've seen is a pitcher that gets into um pretty bad pitchers counts oftentimes against hitters that he has really no business uh messing around with in that regard you know 3-0 counts or 3-1 counts um and a guy who is just so much more hittable than he has been at any point in in his career. And I think that this is bearing itself out in the fact that his sinker, his four-seam fastball, curveball, and cutter are all getting hit at alarmingly uh, higher rates uh, than they ever have in his career. And his changeup has been the only pitch that hasn't suffered as immensely as the other pitches. But what I'm seeing now is a guy that just doesn't look very confident in his stuff and just really isn't executing. And he hasn't been executing for the whole year. So I'm more willing to attribute that uh, lack of success to you know, a transition to a new city like Boston than I am just to luck. Um, you know, We've seen guys struggle in their first season here. Alex Spear uh, wrote about that today. Actually, that you know, he used Rick Porcello last year as an example, a guy with a pretty good track record that came over and pitched as bad as anyone could possibly pitch last year, and then righted the ship. So I think that Price certainly has the ability and time on his side to write things in the long term, but I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to get that confidence back 
in pitch or in approach pitching in a different way um, for the remainder of the season. And I think he really does need to approach it in a different way than he has been because what I'm seeing is a lack of execution and confidence. And I'm curious to see whether you agree with that. Um, I, I noticed some increased frustration, but I, I think that's just because he's not getting the results that he wants to get. Then that's, you know, most, mostly recently, you know, like the start against the twins. Um, and so that's, that's more or less what I've noticed. I mean, his walk rate is, you know, essentially the same walk rate he had last year, you know, you can get deep into the decimal places and it gets different, but for the most part, it's exactly the same. You know, he's striking out a half a guy more per nine inning, nine innings. Um, you know, he's leaving fewer guys on base, but last year he had kind of an unsustainably high number there. Um, I mean, you, you brought up his hard hit rate. Um, I mean, it's his hard hit rate, you know, is up what 7% from last year. But the weird thing is that the, so if you look at fan graphs and it's got it laid out between soft, medium, and hard, which is a joke in, unto itself. But um, but last year he was at 17%, 55%, uh, 28%. Um, I'm not going to be able to say what those categories are without laughing. <laughs> uh, and then this year he's at, he's at 17%, 47%, and 36%. I mean, it's just like a little bit of the medium move too hard. Like guys are hitting him just a little harder than they were last year. Um, so maybe maybe he's missing his spots a little bit more. But is but the strikeouts and walks are 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 right there. So that kind of makes me go maybe not. Um, Do you think that his his problems of nibbling around the zone or not getting into favorable counts, uh, pitchers counts, um, could be manifesting themselves not in walks? But when he does get into these situations where it's 3-0, 3-1, he's trying so hard to throw something over the plate that he's giving up a lot of pitches for hits. I mean, maybe. Um, See, that's what I'm seeing anecdotally here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen that a little too, but I don't know that I'm willing to put my name to that quotation yet without looking deeper into it. Um, but I, I, you know... Look ahead to next spring training. What is David Price going to say? He's going to say that uh, he's excited for the next year and he's going to be much better than he was. And he's probably going to say, oh, he figured out he was doing this little thing differently or this little thing that he's fixed is is now different. Um, and, you know, we'll all sort of jump on that. I I, I just don't see any any giant difference between what he's doing now and what he did last year other than, you know, variance. And, and I was going to say, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the competition is a little different. Um, but I, I don't know. I'd have to look deeper into that. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think sometimes you throw a good pitch and it gets hit. And, um, I think that's, I think that's really the, the answer here. Um, and honestly, I'm not still, even, even though he's, you know, it's interesting you bring up Porcello because, um, you know, last year Porcello looked like a disaster, you know, and we just given him that this, this giant contract and oh no, oh no, oh no. Um, and then Porcello shows up this year and he's, he's the Rick Porcello that Ben Charrington thought he was getting. 
Um, he's the Rick Porcello, Porcello that, that Ben, gave, ben Charrington gave that contract to. Um, and that's not to say he'll be that same guy next year. I mean, who knows? But you know, the, the weirdness of pitching um, is, is such that we, we can't know for sure. But, um, but I think that I think there's a very good chance that the guy who shows up in, in Fort Myers next year for the Red Sox is, is going to be the David Price the Red Sox thought, were, thought they were getting. He's going to be, you know, nine strikeouts per nine and two walks per nine. And the home runs are going to be more or less the, you know, his career norm. And I think there's a really good chance that he's the guy that they thought they were getting then. Um, you know, right. Oh, the, the other, sorry, the reason I, I brought up what is he going to say next year is, is my guess is he's going to talk about, uh, you know, the pressure of pitching, pitching for a new team. Um, and, you know, the expectations that come along with a big contract. And, you know, it's not that he wasn't making a lot of money before. Of course he was. But I think, you know, we've heard this a lot, certainly as Red Sox fans. We've, we've heard that, you know, guys come into, uh, you know, a new place with, uh, you know, the expectations um, of, of playing a certain way based on the, on the contract they sign. And, um, you know, the, the big number that they see every every other week or whatever it is, whenever they get paid on on that check um, is, you know, adds a lot of pressure and it makes them want to be better than than they uh, than they were before. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if, you know, if if Price was maybe trying to be a little too fine with his pitches, like you were saying, um, trying to be a little too perfect. And maybe that's had some sort of effect. And then you. Uh, you know, things kind of snowball a little bit. You start, you start overthinking, you start trying to correct things. And um, before you know it, you fly out of the cloud upside down. Um, so I, I think, I think the, the end of this story for the Red Sox is not a bad one um, for the 2016 team. You know, price is probably, probably what he is. Uh, he's, he's doesn't seem to be an ace, but I would, I would bet that he will be next year for whatever that's worth, which is nothing. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. And to, to bring up Rick Porcello one more time, we all know how bad his 2015 season was, and his hard hit rate was 32.8%. And he yeah. was able to lower that this year by 2.2%. Uh, David Price would have to lower his rate by about 6%, which is an insane amount. Um, in order to get back to career norms. So he has uh, four percentage points more to go in that category than Rick Porcello did making the jump from last year to what he's currently doing this year. Uh, so I, I think that 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 is the type of thing that worries me a little bit more than just, you know, than your worry level at this point, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I I can I can get behind the numbers, uh, you know, to a certain extent, and you know, guys are pulling the ball on him a lot more than they were. Um, you know, the, the hard hit number is is what it is. The home run number is what it is. Um, but you know, I I think that there are there are reasons for all these things, and you know, it's just a uh, we're still only twenty one starts into it. So we've covered off on price pretty thoroughly here. Um, we're we're all hoping for better days on that front, but you know, all things aside, if this is the version of David Price that we can expect for this season, in a trade for Chris Sale, uh, probably isn't the most realistic thing considering what it would cost to get a guy like that, 
do you expect the Red Sox to be busy here at all in the last week up, you know, coming towards the deadline here? Um, Dombrowski certainly got a lot done early on, making four moves that we've talked about pretty extensively on the show here. Um, but some reports have been out that uh, both Dombrowski has been getting trade offers from other teams. There's been reports that the Marlins have been scouting Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, and there was a Scott Lauber report about um, the Red Sox, you know, talking about some bigger moves out there as well. I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of talking that amounts to nothing around these deadlines. But do you feel like the Red Sox will do anything else meaningful here? Or do you think that they're pretty much just going to go with what they have? Uh, I think Dombrowski is probably going to go with what he has, but I think he's open to making bigger deals. And I think that's why we keep hearing reports about him talking to other GMs and, you know, scouts scouting this guy or, you know, scouting that guy. So um, I think the chances are that nothing will happen. Uh, but, you know, he could totally trade Moncada and Benintendi for sale, like, you know, or, or some some other, uh, you know, variant therein. Um, I could see that happening, too. Um, I think if there's anything that the Red Sox might legitimately need, it's it's maybe another bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that Ziegler trade was really, uh, really fantastic. Even a um, godsend, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which has been being thrown around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think Farrell called him a godsend, didn't he? Did he really? That's that's yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly he goes in there and he gets guys out. And, you know, we, we've seen, uh, you know, just, just tonight, Monday night, you know, Joe Kelly made his his bullpen debut for the Red Sox, and it went, you know, it went as expected. It's just as good as his starting days. He's Joe Kelly. He gives up runs, man. That's what he does. He throws harder now. Like, I mean, I, I guess he hit, I don't know if he hit 100 before as a starter, but he might have. But, yeah, he throws really hard, but he just doesn't have the command. And, you know, that's, I know, uh, you know, Brian McPherson of the Providence Journal has talked about this in the past, um, you know, with, with Kelly. Like, typically you you put a guy in a bullpen and, and he, uh, you know, his stuff plays up. Um to the point where the command is less of an issue. Um, but Kelly's stuff already played up as a starter. Like that was, you know, that's what made him interesting, but the results are never there. And, um, he just doesn't have the command and, you know, unless he's going to start throwing 110, um, which he didn't tonight, he threw 100, 101, he threw a hundred a couple times. It's impressive. Looks pretty on a radar gun. It's no but... Michael Kopech. <laughs> Apparently not, <laughs> but, you know, pretty ray gun, radar gun or not, like the uh, the results are 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 the same. And I, I maybe he'll maybe he'll be better next time out. Maybe I'm over judging him just based on this one thing. I probably am. But but the point is that he's. I don't think at this point he's a guy that the Red Sox are going to want to see in a situation where, you know, where the something something tangible is on the line. And you know the the two guys who. Um, you know, who pitched, I think, out of the pen tonight, uh, the other one being Buckholz is the same, same thing. Um, you know, if Buckholz is not going to be a starter, this is not the way to use him. Um, you know, DL him, trade him, cut him if you have to, but having him out of the bullpen is just, I don't think, it, it doesn't serve anybody. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, while I said there wasn't really a hole for, for a Chris Sale in the, in the 
rotation there there i think is a hole for for a better a better bullpen arm um i think he will go out and get another bullpen arm i I think that that's that's something that's going to happen uh i would expect that that's probably the only move dave dombrowski makes um over the next week or so um you know i don't really want him to go out and trade for chris sale as much as we talk about that as a possibility and going after a big fish like that. Yeah. I would just so much rather Dombrowski hold his chips this year. Um, those big giant chips that he has in Benintendi and Moncada. Yeah. And I still have this dream alive of Jose Fernandez becoming available sometime before his contract runs up, uh, with, with Miami. And I just really want that power right hander. He's the best player in baseball to watch for me right now he's just incredible so um that's the guy who i want and i don't care if it's next year or whenever well, that's i think that's a no i i'm i'm understand uh, he is you know he's baseball porn he is he is uh the guy you want to watch no question about it and um you know it, it sort of raises the question like i i know dombrowski is you know quote unquote all in um this year but you only get you only have so many you know bullets in the gun so to speak and they already used a pretty significant one to get pomeranz um and they're you know they needed to they needed to get somebody so i'm not necessarily down on that per se but um but you got to pick your spots because you you come away at the end of it with what you come away with and you know if they deal benintendi and moncada and devers you know et cetera et cetera et cetera um the guys they get in return are going to be that's going to be it it's not like you know (laughs) um it's not like there there are other guys in the minor league system who are you know percolating up i mean there might be a few but but this is anyway so i i i would expect that uh you know it might be it might behoove the red Sox if dombrowski waits a little bit if he waits to get into um the off season when things are you know more more players are available for trade really uh and the costs are not as high uh, i forget yeah. who did the study on it might have been dave cameron at fangraphs but um you know the cost of, of pitching at the trade deadline is i think one and a half or twice it doesn't matter it's a ridiculously uh inflated cost um yeah, I mean, we saw that with the, the, the Yankees deal that we mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. the Chapman deal. Obviously, his value was a little low because of him firing off shots in his house uh, <laughs> prior to that deal. But that's pretty indicative of the cost difference um, between the offseason right. and in right. midseason here. And that's for less baseball from these guys. Uh, and but one of the other factors here that should be in favor of uh, – Dombrowski waiting a little bit is that some of the players that might be involved in this, the Blake Swihart's, the Eduardo Rodriguez's that we talk about, um, their value could go up and should go up from there on out. I mean, Blake's right. been dealing with the injuries. Uh, Eduardo has been dealing with the inconsistencies, but I wanted to talk about what Eduardo Rodriguez has been able to do in his last couple starts uh, as he's made his way back post all-star break. And there really has been pretty meaningful change uh, in his start against um, New York on the 16th, and then his start against uh, Minnesota on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few of the things I wanted to talk about were 
um, his increased usage of his slider and his changeup. And uh, he increased them by a significant margin. Um, one of the big things that's, that's been talked about, one of the adjustments that was made when he was at Pawtucket was the positioning of his hands as well. Um, and the results have been really, really good. I think last time out, he struck out about eight guys as well through that slider 34% of the time during that start through the four seam 51% of the time and mixed in 10% changeups. That's a really, really healthy pitch mix. Uh, and that's something that we had not seen from him pretty much the entire season, uh, outside of those two starts, um, in that New York one, I mentioned 25% sliders. In this one, 34%. Uh, the high before that was 11%. So uh, this is really the first time we've seen Eduardo pitching like a complete pitcher this season. Yeah, he to me, he looked much better against Minnesota. Um, and I was going to just say that maybe that's because he was facing Minnesota, but the Yankees' offense is pretty awful, uh, which is a sentence that is really delicious to say. You just kind of want to swish it around in your mouth before you swallow it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was impressed, um, you know, with his command against Minnesota with, with, uh, his willingness to go to his off speed stuff. Um, we just didn't see that before. It was almost like he was expecting guys to miss his fastball every single time, even when they knew it was coming. Um, and in the majors, you just can't really do that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, uh, uh, excited, I guess about him. Maybe, maybe, uh, as almost as much, uh, you know, excitement as, a as last year, um, you know, after they brought him from Baltimore, he's not throwing quite as hard as that, but, but, uh, you know, we have a longer track record of him now. So yeah, if he can continue to, uh, to make the off speed stuff work, you know the fastball should play up, and that should be uh, he should be a you know a workable starter, and, and that's that's what the Red Sox need. They need they need these guys to come out. And that's the crazy thing is with this offense, they don't even need an ace. They don't that you know Charrington's idea of having you know whatever it was five number three starters like that would be fine. <laughs> No, right, that would get the job done. If we can um, get Eddie working at seventy five percent of his capacity this year right. i i think that that would be probably a four four and a half era pitcher the rest of the way and that would be wonderful out of the fifth spot yeah absolutely, absolutely. so we'll, we'll, we'll certainly take that so that's that's certainly a good thing that the rotation looks like it's stabilizing even if david price doesn't turn it around um with the additions of porcello and a decent to good eduardo rodriguez uh, things are definitely on the up and up because Porcello never loses at home and Stephen Wright's unbelievable. He's a Cy Young candidate, which is crazy <laughs> that that's a thing. And, you know, you can you can laugh at me all you want that he's a Cy Young candidate, but he is leading the American League in ERA. So it's... Yeah, uh, what's his run average? You know... Drop, drop the whole earn thing and then tell me how, how he's doing. I don't care. He's amazing. <laughs> he's a golden god. <laughs> I mean, every time he goes out there, I just feel great. Jake, are about you it. saying are you saying that he's a godsend? I am. He's uh, wow. he is a godsend. That yeah. that maybe fifth starter that was maybe not good enough because Dave Dombrowski had too many arms in the spring. Uh, you know, 
could garner some Cy Young votes, which is crazy. Um, but we've got some other really good news down on the farm system that I wanted to touch on. Uh, the first thing I should mention is that Brian Johnson is fully back from his uh, issues with anxiety and uh, is starting in Pawtucket. Um, so that's a really positive thing. I mean, his starts haven't gone great so far, but he's a guy working his way back from pretty much no baseball activity for that period of time. So uh, this is great news for the Red Sox in the long term. And then uh, as far as the two big prospects that we've been mentioning, Benintendi and Yohan Mankata, um, both of those guys have finally started to uh, shift position uh, to where the team will actually need them in the future. Uh, ben Intendi made his first start in left field just a few days ago, uh, and Yohan Moncada has been reportedly uh, just just starting to take ground balls up in uh, Portland. So uh, at third base. So those are is that true? Two... I hadn't heard that last part. Yeah, that just came out. Uh, a guy from the local uh, Portland uh, beat uh, actually wrote that. So. Um, that's a real positive thing that wow, yeah. both those things are happening. And we were kind of wondering as we approach August, I mean, what we're, we're five, six days away from August and, um, he hasn't, he hadn't taken any ground balls at third base, uh, up into that point. And that's really the only place that people, uh, can, can figure that he'll play with the outfield being as solid as it is and Ben Intendi on his way. So makes a lot of sense and it's good to finally see that that's going to start happening and i'm sure that more will come out about that in the next few days but um that's good and uh, one of the other things i wanted to mention um, before we get on to what the red sox uh, schedule is going to be this upcoming week is that um after a long time of not having one this season this is our inaugural season of the red seat so there's that um, we do have a listener question submission box now that you can find on the BP Boston site. Uh, you click on any of the episodes of the Red Seat Podcast, and there's a little Google form. You can enter your name and submit a question to us, and uh, myself and whoever else is on the show with me will uh, go ahead and tackle your Red Sox question there and answer it to the best of our ability. Just, um, just hope that it's not Matt Collins who you get to answer your question. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, other than that, you're in great hands. So. <laughs> Um, no, I, it, I kid, good. I kid. For some reason, Matt Collins, uh, people love to jump on him on Twitter, and so that's that's just me copy, copying that. But actually, I like Matt a lot. Oh, um, his, his Matt's work is unbelievable fantastic, what so, he yeah. does. He's an absolute machine, and guy knows a tremendous amount. So as, as much as we jokingly bag on him, the guy's unbelievable. He's very good. No he's our, he's our version of uh, Jeff Sullivan with how much that guy writes. So um, it, it's pretty incredible. But I think this adds an, a new level of interaction to the show, too. And as we uh, answer more questions and get to know the audience a little bit more, it'll only make this show a whole lot more fun. So I definitely urge everybody that does listen to uh, go ahead and post those questions because, you know, I make these agendas all the time. And sometimes you guys think of stuff that I never even would think about. And uh, also throw in crazy trade proposals there. I always like to hear those. I don't <laughs> – don't hear enough of those on You're uh, asking for radio. it now. Oh, I really am. I, <laughs> I heard some terrible ones on my way home today from work on WEI. So I'm, in, I'm inviting our, our more uh, educated base to uh, come up with some stuff there. So well, I think if the Red Sox can get sale for Buckholz, then uh, I think that's something they should look into. Yeah. That's I'm not saying jump on it. I'm just saying look into it. 
they really need a righty, so I think they yeah. they should make that work. Uh, upcoming schedule for the Red Sox, though, um, not exactly soft, not exactly hard, pretty much medium right now. Um, they've got Detroit for a couple more here, Wright versus Pelfrey, Eddie versus uh, Michael Fulmer uh, at home, the good Fulmer, not Carson Fulmer. Um, and uh, then they, they hit the road for... Um, pretty significant period of time i believe this starts yeah. a stretch where i think they only have one day off uh all the way up until august 31st so it's going to be a pretty tough schedule for the red sox here on out a lot of these games on the road but they've got uh, at the la angels they've got price versus weaver porcello versus linscombe pomerantz versus santiago and uh steven wright versus tyler skaggs uh, none of those starts really scare me too much. I think the Red Sox should have the advantage there, but uh, they are playing the L.A. Mike Trouts, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's true. Trout, Trout is uh, fantastic, and definitely, uh, I guess they'll be on the West Coast, so it'll be tough for Boston to tune in for that. But uh, if you if you can stay up, Boston, at least watch the first inning. Watch Mike Trout. He's he's worth the price of admission. Yeah, out of all those those starts that I mentioned, though, I, I think the one I'm most excited about is seeing Eduardo Rodriguez again uh, go against uh, Michael Fulmer because Fulmer's been pretty good this year. Uh, Fulmer's been fantastic this year, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing how he does uh, against the Red Sox lineup, which is, you know, just phenomenal. So I think um, Jake Peavy, and, you know, he – he might be just a little old and delusional at this point, but I think I read a quote a couple of days ago that he said that the Red Sox lineup this year is the best lineup he's ever faced in his career, which I thought was an interesting statement for a guy like that to make. Maybe he's still just uh, living off that high from 2013. But uh, Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, early in his career, he was so incredibly good and also pitching in San Diego when it was really – as much of a pitcher's park as it's ever been. And yeah, so it's, it's not hard to see that at that time, he probably wasn't afraid of anybody. Um, <laughs> just dial it up to 98 or whatever. And, and, uh, then, you know, then go out for a drink. Um, People forget how good he was. He was unbelievable. He pitched oh, yeah. so hard. He tore his muscle off his body. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> no, like yeah. legit like that. No, no, I know. Whatever I know. that wing muscle is that like attaches, I believe that's the one that he tore from his his ribs. That's just unbelievable that happened. It's not a common injury. No, and and you know it's pretty impressive, you know, that he's uh, re- sort of reinvented himself as as this kind of junk baller that he is now. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be, that's uh, that's the kind of makings of a good article. You know, if this were the if he were still pitching for the Red Sox, you might you might actually go through, you know, the teams that he's pitched against and and try to figure out if that was, uh, you know, if that was really a legitimately true statement. All right. Um, well, you can look forward case, to Matt yeah. Corey's uh, article on uh, teams that Jake Peavy has faced. You can you can look forward to it if you like, but it's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Matt, uh, anything else that you want to add before we go ahead and log off of the airways? No, I, I think uh, I think it's uh, it's been a fun show, and, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, uh, to everybody out there, um, in addition to that listener question box that I mentioned, you can also uh, tune in and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can rate and review us there as well. You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher. 
You can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJake, and you can follow Matt at MattyMatty2000, uh, the only Twitter handle I have managed to memorize on the show, uh, <laughs> because it's the best. And Thank you. Thank I'll you continue much. to say that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, we'll be back next time post-trade deadline. So, sure, we'll have stuff to talk about.